0: Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga. I'm a yoga teacher with over 15 years of experience, a certified personal trainer, and an entrepreneur. My mission is this, to help you develop into a purpose-driven, confident yoga teacher, one who truly understands anatomy and how to share it clearly and confidently so that you can help your students learn and as a result, grow your impact and connection. Here on the podcast, you'll get a blend of both anatomy learning, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal development. Once you listen to today's episode, visit my website, barebonesyoga.com, for lots of free resources for teachers. Download any and all of them right on the homepage, including one of my most popular tools, my sequence building template. Thank you for taking the time to listen today Let's get into today's episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, and this is episode 162. So I'm recording this on December 20th, 2021. So we are heading into the last two weeks of the year. I don't know about you, but I made a big list this morning of things I'd like to get done in the next two weeks, and I am just hellbent on really just putting my nose to the grindstone and just really just going through some of these things that um, I really am focused on completing and starting fresh in 2022. Today's episode is really special because it is yet another interview and I'll bet when you listen to it you're going to be amazed at not only the smart Super intelligent, super inspiring person who I interview, but also the yoga niche that they are in. Um, So I'm going to definitely tell you a little bit more about who you're going to be hearing from in today's episode in just a moment. I want to just remind you that every week now I am loving offering my free 30 minute yoga classes online. So just check my website. And even tonight, I'm doing a special 20 minute guided body scan meditation. So I'm loving having an opportunity to share some non physical yoga type classes as well. So please, please take a look at those and join me when you can. These are all free always going to be under uh, 30 minutes or 30 minutes uh, for yoga. So hopefully really easy to fit into your schedule. The other thing to just mention is that if you are looking for a way to support the podcast and want a really cute, I think they're really cute, really cute mug to have uh, your tea in when you listen to the podcast, you can just go on my website to the podcast page and buy a Conversations for Yoga Teachers podcast mug, the official podcast product (laughs) for conversations for yoga teachers. And I'd be so appreciative because it helps me defray the cost of bringing you a podcast episode every single week, which I've been doing now for oh my gosh, all over three years, we're at episode 162. So, um, so it's been, uh, it's been a while, and I absolutely love doing it. Uh, So let me just tell you a little bit about who you're going to meet today. Krista Fairbrother is a yoga teacher, and she has a very special niche, which is aqua yoga. She is not only a teacher, but she is also a teacher trainer. And I don't know about you, but I have never met someone with this particular yoga niche. And I am such a fan now that I have learned more about what it is, both from kind of a mobility and accessibility standpoint, and also just been in the presence of Krista, who just exudes such enthusiasm and joy and passion for this type of yoga, which is fueled by not only her personal story, but the stories of all the people that she interacts with and impacts when she teaches. Uh, She has a lot of really amazing background, including a master's in, I believe she said, education, focusing on teaching, and um, also has a background in working with horses. And for years, she was responsible for changing horseshoes on horses, which may seem like a non sequitur, but you'll hear towards the end of the episode where she pulls it all together to that. Um, that job she had and it literally brought me to tears. I'm such a horse lover and just the idea of horses needing to have their horseshoes changed and the pain that they're in before she worked on them and how she was able to positively impact not only their their mobility, but their life, it just absolutely made my heart sing. She's a really special person. And I really think that, or I hope that this episode inspires you to really own your niche, whatever that is. And if you're looking for some help in brainstorming what your niche could be, Definitely get in touch with me and I'd be happy to hop on a Zoom call and just brainstorm with you. Krista is a wonderful example of someone who really owns theirs. And as a result, she just is a magnet for drawing people to her To um, take advantage of her skill and expertise. So, we're going to listen now to my conversation with Krista Fairbrother. And don't forget to stay tuned all the way until the end so you can get information about how to get in touch with her. I also include the links uh, to her contact information in the show notes for this episode. All right, here we go. My conversation with Krista Fairbrother.
1: Hello. Hi, Karen. How you doing? Good. How are you? Very good. good. Thank
0: you so, so much for reaching out. I'm so glad we get to connect in this way. Yeah, and thanks for having me. Yes, I'm really excited to talk to you because you're the first yoga teacher who has this niche and I am just really, really dying to learn more about it. I um, have been spending the past couple of days kind of going through your Instagram. So I wouldn't seem like completely out of sorts when we got together today to just kind of get an idea of what this looks like in real life. And um, first of all, it's so great to see your Instagram because you're in the warm weather and I'm in Boston, it's freezing. So this time we are I love, you know, that's such a great vibe. Um, And also just getting myself familiar with what you do. So I think that would be a great place to start. Can you tell, um, you know, we'll just kind of dive in, no pun intended, right? Um, um, Tell me a little bit about what this um, focus of
1: aqua yoga is. Excellent. So thanks so much for having me. My name is Krista Fairbrother, and I'm an aqua yoga coach and trainer down in Florida. So what is aqua yoga? Great place to start. At its simplest, it's just taking yoga and the full eight limbs of yoga and putting them in the water. I like to do it in the pool because it's a really safe, consistent environment. But yes, you can use the ocean if you live somewhere where that is available to you. I've trained a couple of ladies in Mauritius, the island in the Indian Ocean. And they work out in the ocean most of the year because it's on the equator. Uh, Occasionally, a lake will work. The lakes, you kind of have some trouble with the bottom. You need a firm, stable base. But it's just taking yoga and putting it in the water. Wow. Okay. So, so many things come to my mind. Not the first
0: of all, which is that you can't breathe underwater. So I'm
1: assuming everything's done above, like, your head's out of the water. Right. Okay. So to, yeah, get that one. It's so a head out water exercise. That's what most people associate with like aqua aerobics and that kind of exercise. So the way I teach aqua yoga, yes, we do that. That does not actually mean you can't do inversions. I have done aqua yoga with kids. They love inversions, of course, but Mm -hmm. most of the people I work with know they don't want to get their hair wet and they don't want to go underwater. And, And I tell people you do not need to be able to swim to do aqua yoga. So not to say that you can't go underwater, but no, you're not going to do your traditional down dog and hold it for four minutes. <laughs> okay. Head underwater.
0: Okay. Got it. So, you know, that kind of leads me to an interesting question then. So if you're not going to put your head underwater, are the primary postures you teach people
1: standing poses? Excellent. So we do predominantly standing poses but then you also think about okay well your seated poses how are you going to do those so we have some choices when you get into the principles of aquatics and some different things you can do so in aquatics they call them you know levels of movement based on how much your feet are attached to the pool floor right so we can keep both feet attached to the pool floor we can leave the pool floor on occasion. That's what people tend to think of as generally aqua aerobics, you know, you're kind of jumping around or doing a jog, but then you can also be totally up off the pool floor, which would be the level three in aquatics. And in yoga, we can create that by using a buoyant seat, like you're gonna do seated postures on a kickboard or on a noodle, which now suddenly what you think of as a forward fold as a calming resting posture is now a big balance challenge. Or you can take buoyant props in your hands and have those alongside your body and create your own little um, sort of buoyant stand, so to speak. I like to say it's like the parallel bars at the Olympics, yes. right? So you are you're, you're you're suspended up there, but through buoyancy, not necessarily a lot of muscular strength. So then, if you're buoyant there, you can think about okay, what am I going to do standing postures and am I going to do seated postures? And then you can also displace your standing postures even more with buoyant equipment under your feet. And by buoyant equipment under your feet, I don't mean like you're fully floating. I mean like you would take a pool noodle and put it under your toes, like the bridge of your toes. So now you've got some buoyancy affecting you under your feet that you're going to move on, but you're still attached to the pool floor. Okay. So so in a whirlwind, yes we do stand predominantly standing, but there's also a lot of opportunities to do some other unique things as well. Okay, so let's back up a little bit and
0: help me understand how you ever ended up in this niche. Yeah.
1: <laughs> were yeah. you always teaching in the water or were you teaching on land? At no, one point? no, actually. So I came to yoga very much as a physical practice when I was basically 20, it was so long ago. It's like, I don't even really remember how old I was when I started. I was a farrier and a farrier is somebody who puts horseshoes on horses. Somebody still has to do that by hand, right? Machines will not nail a horseshoe onto horses feet. Very physically demanding job, right? And it's not so good for your back. I've heard somewhere, okay, yoga was. So I started doing a yoga class. Was really into it. The yoga really stuck. I developed a personal practice that I would do before work. And then like many people, I needed to make a career change. And I had a couple kids. And so fast forward years and years, it's now like 20 years later. I'm still doing yoga. I think, okay, well, maybe it's time to do yoga teacher training. You know, this has really, really been a thing for me. And at the time I had a lupus diagnosis, which is systemic lupus arithmetosis. It's an autoimmune disease. And so that was kind of impacting my life choices and where I wanted to go. And I thought, okay, well, I was just really happy to make it through yoga teacher training without having a lot of lupus flare-ups, thinking I'm personally managing myself really well except that in the middle of yoga teacher training, I changed doctors and got a new diagnosis. So I actually had like a whole party of autoimmune diseases. I also had several other kinds of arthritis. Lupus falls into the autoimmune category of arthritis. I was like, oh my gosh, I've had all these kinds of arthritis for basically since I was a kid, because that's when I started exhibiting symptoms. So what has gotten me through doing all these amazing physical things? Because I was an athlete, I shot horses, I rode competitively. It was like you don't just have all this stuff that you're telling me as a doctor and my imaging looks so bad and like, wow. And yet I've done that. So I really gave my yoga the credit and it was really inspiring for me to say, okay, well, I want to help other people who live with arthritis. That was going to be my mission in yoga. So instantly it was, well, regular yoga teacher training is not going to get me there. I need some additional training. I immediately signed up for yoga for arthritis teacher training. And it was there that I met a fellow yoga for arthritis teacher who lives here in Florida. And she was like, oh, yeah, you know, we have this weekly wine and yoga night at the pool. And I was like, oh, my God, why have I never heard of this? (laughs) So I came home and instantly signed up for Aqua Yoga teacher training. And that was what's really stuck with me in terms of making yoga accessible to people who live with arthritis and being more comfortable in your body and in your joints through the power of the water. Wow. So, so it's funny when you mentioned, first of all, I'm a huge
0: lover of horses. I rode as a kid, like, so the fact that that was like your occupation, I just think is the coolest thing ever. Um, But I was somehow expecting you were going to say you were like an Olympic swimmer or something. So, I mean, like was swimming a
1: big part of your life as well or Yeah, so I grew up just as a recreational swimmer. I grew up in California, um, in a beach town in central California. So the water was not warm. (laughs) Like as a kid, I grew up, we would swim in Lake Tahoe, which now as an adult would just be like, no way, I'm not even dipping my toes in that lake. It is freezing cold. So I did always um, swim. My father was really into boats, spent a lot of time on boats. So the water had really been a consistent element in my life. And then as I got older, I moved to Florida. You know, my husband lives to fish. She's a marine scientist. Just the water's kind of always been there for me. And then if you think about, okay, I live with arthritis, the support it gives me in my physical body, what it can give other people. I know you've had guests talking on talking about Ayurveda from an Ayurvedic perspective, arthritis conditions, their conditions of drying out. Mm -hmm. So how good is it for for those of us who live with arthritis to get in the water? So Mm -hmm. I think it was, it was an element that was always in my life and I always personally enjoyed it, but it hadn't been a professional part of my life until I made this transition. Okay. So when you... Go to this, I mean, I'm
0: also kind of amazed because I didn't even know that there were training programs out there that existed before you and I connected. Um, So when you go to this training program, uh, is it sort of, I guess I'm curious, like, what is that like? I mean, are they assuming everybody has basic teacher training
1: under their belt and now they're transitioning it to the water? Right, good question. So there's there's different trainings out there. There's one, um, you know, I did. There's a couple other people on in the East Coast that offer them. I offer them now because this is now, you know, my passion. And so it really depends on who you're working with. I went to a weekend training, and like many aspects of yoga training, I would say it was just enough to make me be trouble. <laughs> You know, it was only a weekend. And yes, I'd already had yoga teacher training and some training past that. But it is, it is very accessible. And you'll hear me say that a lot. I can take many, many people and get them in the water and get them doing yoga in all eight limbs, the, you know, the breathing, the meditation, the physical practice. And yet at the same time, it's actually a lot harder than people think. you know, to a person, every yoga teacher I've worked with is like, wow, this is really hard. Right. So it is a very different environment. And so some uh, trainers will only work with people who are already yoga teachers. There are some aquatics programs out there really designed for aquatics professionals exclusively to then kind of learn the yoga. Um, Mine, I work with both So I, I allow people who are already trained professionals, whether it's in aquatics or yoga, the one I went to, you didn't even have to be a teacher of a movement capacity. You weren't going to get certified to teach it, but you were allowed to come and just participate. Um, So there's, uh, to answer that question a little more broadly, it really depends on who you're working with, but obviously you're getting in the water and you're doing some yoga, whoever you work with.
0: Got it. So um, what kinds of I noticed on your Instagram, you, your, your kind of bio focuses on women and self-care as a theme. Um, So maybe just tell us a little bit about the kinds of of people that you work with like what kinds of people come to your classes and where are they held in your house backyard pool yeah so okay. it
1: i work in public pools here oh. in florida as yoga teachers we are not allowed to offer yoga at our homes oh, unless you know. have right separate entrance and these kinds of things so So what I'm speaking to doesn't necessarily apply to everyone, but no, I do not offer anything in my home. I will go to somebody else's pool. If you have a pool in your home and you would like me to come, I'm happy to come to your pool. So I do private sessions for people in their pools. I do uh, public classes and those are what, you know, I work for with the general public and you already heard me say I work with yoga teachers as well. Aqua yoga is such a small niche. You know, I work with pros and regular people. Why I work mainly with women, is because women are disproportionately affected by arthritis. Mm-hmm. So in terms of you know, my skills and being able to help people with musculoskeletal conditions and these disease management tools, I'm dealing mostly with women, as well as aquatics classes are not exclusively for women. And we can talk about you know, the more fitness aspect of it. And I have some colleagues really working hard on that, but there is this perception that aquatics classes is for like little old ladies. Not true at all by any stretch. However, I live in Florida and that's who comes to my classes. (laughs) So I do work with a lot of senior ladies and um, I really enjoy that demographic. And what I really get the most out of is really watching people make the progression in their practice and get the benefits out of the pool. Because you're coming to see me once a week for 45 minutes in aqua yoga. That's amazing. I'm really appreciate that you came and that's great. But what I really want you to do is be more comfortable and more effective when you get home. Mm -hmm. And so I like working with this demographic because there's not as much yoga available to you when you're not as healthy and capable. Mm -hmm. And they are really looking for tools to use in their daily life and be more comfortable at home. And that's to me, that's the point. And so you're really impacting people's real lives. I'm not just doing this fancy recreational thing on weekends.
0: Right. Right. So how do, I mean, I imagine when you live in Florida, because it is such a water-based state, (laughs) um, maybe this is more prominent, but how do people find you? Because it is such a niche kind of practice.
1: Yeah. The most pools are, hold public classes, right? So the pools themselves will promote their classes. Every pool I work at does offer you know, swimming lessons and the full suite of of aquatics activities. So they, um, you know, around here, we have the triathletes who come and swim laps. We have master's swimming. Mm -hmm. We have the high school diving and swim teams. We have the head out water exercise. You know, pools are very high use places, much more so than a yoga studio, right? A yoga studio, you might have classes in the morning. You might have weekends and evening classes. The pool, it's packed. Whenever it's open, it's usually packed. Um, and so, and then in terms of how I reach my other clients, I, the same as other yoga teachers who are looking to promote their weekly classes, it's old fashioned things like the newspaper, right. um, connecting on social media, word of mouth, obviously, um, yeah. outreach to your fellow professionals, the same as mm-hmm. we would any other yoga teacher would look for students. Got
0: it. Yeah, it's interesting when you talk about the pool, because I remember um, I listened to the Rich Roll podcast and he's out in California. He's an endurance athlete and a vegan. And um, he was talking, I remember, about during the pandemic at its height, it was so hard to get pool time because everything was needing to be booked when before the pandemic it was like to show up. It's also interesting to think about all the downtime that studios have where no one's in there because there's no class but you're saying for a pool that scenario doesn't happen because people are always in there.
1: That and most pools except for the largest pools they have, or indoor pools they don't have lights so here in Florida we have a lot of outdoor pools who are really only daytime environments and so they're having to smash all the activities into a smaller period of the day. Also, you've talked about, well, okay, who I work with, I work with older adults, partly because the pools I work at are open during the day. I still have kids at home. And so I'm doing my family stuff on weekends. I don't want my professional life to be tied to my weekends either. So it, it suits me personally and professionally. Um, Indoor pools are slightly more diverse in that they might have more weekend and evening offerings because, you know, they've got the lights on, they've got the indoor environment. That's what most people like you are up north are going to be dealing with is you might have some summer outdoor pools, but they might be, you know, Memorial Day to Labor Day and that's it. Right. Yeah. So you're looking at a lot of YMCAs, Jewish Community Center, municipal pools, a lot of right. college pools, that kind of thing.
0: Yeah. So, um, I mean, you know, without going into like major detail, I'm kind of curious, um, like, what's the sequence look like? Are you like, everybody jump in? And I don't know, like, ha- I'm kind of curious, like, yeah, wow, rock <laughs> let's kind of just move our arms around. Like, just give me a kind of an idea. This is so intriguing to me.
1: Right. So, I know you do a lot with sequencing for your students, the yoga teachers you're working with. So, I I expected this question. It's like, you want to, you really? but yeah, I was like, I bet she's going to ask this. So, because I've listened to your podcast and you talk about sequencing a lot, right? So I'm sharing sort of the zoom out my approach to sequencing in there along with the, like, you know, make it real for you. So you can kind of see, because the reason I have kind of more a sequencing system is I never know who is going to come to my classes. These are public classes. You do not have to pre-enroll. Right. So I never know who's going to walk in. I also spent many years working at the YMCA. I was laid off because of COVID, like many of us, and um, couldn't go back working inside till there was uh, a vaccine because of my own health problems. So especially at the YMCA, anyone in humanity is going to come in and you have to be friendly and work with that person, which means I might have a sequence in my head that is irrelevant as soon as that person walks through the door. Right. So I, I have what I would consider like a sequencing template in my head. And then I can just drop things into those buckets depending on who's coming and who wants to work with me as well as the weather. You know, I now work only at outdoor pools. If, it, if this time of year in Florida, it's brisk for us as Floridians. It's, it can be like 75. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're just like, you're a weenie, right? But we are, yeah. we're weenies. And so we want to work a little harder. So I'm going to maybe, you know, speed that template up uh, on a day when it's cold which I didn't necessarily anticipate you know the day before so to, to, to make it real in terms of well, what does that look like so everybody you know when you get in the water you're kind of like tiptoe and everybody's shoulders are like oh my gosh I'm in the water and it's kind of cold so you just kind of own that right so you just start with some stuff that isn't necessarily yoga it's just getting people moving getting their bodies warmed up let people talk right people come to the pool because it's social it's not like a yoga studio where you're like Shh. and not only is it not like that, it's a pool kind of is not a quiet place, right? Right. It's not a like, we're gonna talk in hushed tones and Mm -hmm. I don't use yoga voice, right? Like I am talking like, this is yoga camp, not because I'm um, that awesome of focus, but you have to own it, right? I'm talking over the tractor, I'm talking over the kids in the kiddie pool, I'm talking over the mushroom, right? It's like, you gotta be big. So let people be social, get that out. So then just like in a land yoga class, you want to warm up people's spines, you know, so we'll do some gentle movement to help them also connect with their breath. We haven't talked about all the water science. There's a lot of water science involved in being in the water. So think about, you know, when you walk in the water, not only are you like this, you suddenly feel that feeling like you're kind of stuck in a sock, right? There's this inward pressure everywhere. It's called the hydrostatic pressure because the water molecules are more dense than the air molecules. They're pressing in on us. It makes it harder to breathe right? Mm -hmm. So you, when you inhale, you have to exert a lot more effort. And that is, is both good and how we get some of the benefit of aqua yoga, but it also can be a surprise for people who aren't as experienced in the water. So that idea of those gentle warmups helps people connect with their breath, helps them warm up their spine. Then I would throw in what I would consider kind of the easier standing poses, get people warmed up. Then we get into a little more of what I would consider the meat of the day. So those might be like a sun salutation you would do in a regular mat class, but we would be doing it in the water, Um, leading up to more of kind of like the peak pose. And then we would do a calm down session and then we do a floating meditation. So different people in as an approach to sequencing, I've heard it called different things, but like the bell curve, if you use that technique with your students that you work with is it's kind of the you you bring them up and then you bring them down and depending on the weather it might be like a real steep climb and then we're just almost done (laughs) or it might be like oh we're doing a very yoga philosophy focused class and it might be a little slower so it'd be a slower hump or um if it's a day where i'm doing a lot more aqua aerobics type things like we talked about those um levels off the ground if you're going to do more buoyancy it might be kind of the more the jagged pattern
0: Mm-hmm. On so when down. you do something basic, like a sun salutation again, because they're not really going under the water, are they doing like a plank to a low plank,
1: a- anything like that underwater? Underwater. No, we would not do it underwater. But if I give you a pool noodle, you can do a plank on a pool noodle. So now you're doing your plank on a buoyant floating thing, okay. which means because of the support of the water, it doesn't involve nearly as much strength, but you really need to have some body position because if you tend to weight more on one hand, which we all tend to do, right? On the mat, when you weight more into your dominant hand, it's fine. The mat's got you back, right? You're just, so you're putting too much weight on one hand. Not so good, but you're fine. You do that in the pool, you're going to roll to the side and fall out. So it teaches you to really position your body really effectively. So that would be our plank. Down dog, people are like, oh, how you do down dog? It's very much just like a forward fold. So another thing, when you think about your approach to sequencing, are you sequencing based on, well, I like to say it's like, what is your goal? So is your goal to make it about pose names like and shapes so that everything in the water doesn't have to be like exactly like it is on land? Well, then you're going to have one approach to sequencing and how you cue your postures. If it's going to be more about muscular actions, well, what am I trying to get out of a down dog? I'm trying to get some length in my legs, some length in my back. A forward fold is a great substitute. Is it gonna be more about the energy involved in the different aspects of yoga? Well, that's gonna look like a different sequence. Mm-hmm. So I tend to um, work with my students and encourage my teachers to really focus on what it is they wanna get out of the practice and, and gear everything towards that. But, so when they do a forward
0: fold, are their heads underwater and they're like literally folding forward
1: it's more like on the surface okay so it's not a drop your you don't uh, reach down and grab your big toes and drop your head down to the mat as well it's more like an l shape got it and you can do that with buoyant props in your hands so it can become a very much an l you know 90 degrees or -hmm. if you have nothing in your hands you're going to be more upright from that than that and again it reflects people's ability to, to manage their bodies because when you do a forward fold on the mat, you know the water isn't tossing you side to side and it's much easier for you to keep your weight in your feet. Mm-hmm. Mid chest height, we've offloaded about 70% of our weight and that's where we wanna work in the pool. So you only weigh basically 30% as much as you used to. And in a regular down dog, think about how much weight you put on your hands. That's one of those things in teachers, we're trying to get people to put their weight back in their feet, right? Mm-hmm. But when you get in the pool and you're leaning forward and I give you a buoyant prop, how much weight is in your hands and where are you going to go when that happens? You go floating away. (laughs) So it's a really positive, keep that weight back in your feet. Yeah. Instant feedback. You know, it's interesting
0: because, you know, as much as the water is beneficial in that it provides you with buoyancy that you obviously don't have on land, it provides a variable that you don't have on land that actually from like an exercise progression standpoint adds a level of complexity and challenge that I think for like your general 60, 70 plus year old person who maybe doesn't have a good base of yoga on land in their body, it could be pretty challenging, I would imagine,
1: or even someone younger, quite frankly. Oh, it's challenging for everybody. Don't, don't, uh... I actually really, I love my senior ladies. So especially the, you know, the ones that have been working with me for three or four years, you know, they got it, they got it pretty down. You know, they, they know what they're doing and I'll have somebody who is a very advanced yoga student, or maybe even a yoga teacher come in and they fall out of plank every time. And they're looking around at these 70 year olds who just nail it. And they're like, Oh my God, yeah. you know, this, this isn't, this doesn't compute in their world. Yeah. So it's, it really, Age and ability become much less relevant from a what we associate with a young vigorous practice, because it is not necessarily as much about strength and cardio ability. It's Hmm. much more about where you're placing your body and your ability to engage your torso muscles, not even necessarily core strength, but do you know how to turn, you know, your erector spinae and your back on and off? Yeah. They're really valuable and they keep us out of back pain, but we don't use them very much on land.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. It does kind of, you know, now that we're starting to talk a little bit about the muscles, it kind of makes me think about what skills are people able to build in the water that are harder for them to build on land and I feel somehow in my head, like balance is coming up in a way because like you're floating. And like you say, unless you have really good balance, you'll tip over and you might roll over. So that probably, would you say, is one skill uh, that they're building?
1: Definitely balance. Yeah. There's been a lot of research on aquatics uh, modalities, whether it's aerobics or the Arthritis Foundation program. A lot of people know that program for seniors for fall prevention. Because not only do you build your balance, like you're speaking to, what happens if you fall over? So I like to joke, it's like, well, the worst thing you're going to wound is your pride, right? It's not like you're going to have a major fall event like we would on land. You also, when, for example, when you walk backwards in the water, you are firing up a lot more of your back body, which is something that we need in land yoga. You know, that's, that's what keeps us in our down dog. That's what makes us effective in our planks. And yet we make those postures all about our arms and our shoulder strength assembly, right? But when we get in the water, we have to engage that a lot more. Um, it also is really great for hip extension. You think about the fact, especially here with COVID, right? That how much time we're spending in chairs and we're always in that hip flexion. And if you're gonna get in the water, it really facilitates an ability to kind of lift your torso up off your upper body and get some hip extension. Mm-hmm. So it's really good, uh, great for that. Um, it builds body awareness. And in, in a really profound way, like you're talking about, it's like, okay, you think about gravity. I am used to resisting gravity, which only pulls one direction. Mm. I get in the water. Gravity is still there. But if I'm dealing with the swimmers who are going by me one directionally and I weigh less, gravity is suddenly sending me sideways. It's not gravity. Mm. It's, the, it's the water. Yeah. But it, it feels like it's gravity is now sending you sideways. And so now you're having to deal with Um, directional forces differently Uh, our bodies really tend to rotate and spin in the water so Mm -hmm. that is great learning how to stabilize those especially if you have um, a lot of one-sided body habits which can be come from a diverse range of conditions right will tend to be very dominant on one side that shows immediately in the water so Mm -hmm. you're learning how to have to fire up the side that doesn't really want to work so hard so that you're not rolling to the same direction um so there's just there's so many possibilities for what it can do for us yeah and a lot of since we have talked so much about seniors just to kind of call out for my colleagues who do things more on the um athletic side a lot of the professional sports teams are now cross training in the water because you think about okay somebody who's going to do all that running and cutting on the football field or the soccer field all the time what does that do to your lower limb assembly right repetitive stress injury over and over and over, you can get in the water and do that same activity. And now suddenly, because it's like you're doing it practically through maple syrup, you're getting a huge cardio and muscular workout without that load to your skeletal system. So it really reduces injury risk. And yet it's a great way to to work out and cross train. So being in the water is, it's not just about swimming. (laughs) It's good for all of us. Yeah, I'm a big follower of Gabby
0: Reese and her husband, Laird Hamilton, and uh, he's the uh, she was the former pro volleyball player, I think Olympic volleyball player as well. And he is a longtime surfer and he created um, toe in surfing with the um, with the uh, jet ski And they have, you'd actually be interested in this, their Instagram page, not for their individual pages, but their program is called XPT life. And it includes, um, all sorts of workouts, including in their pool, in their backyard in Hawaii, where Mm -hmm. they take athletes like world-class athletes, and they have them come for like five days. And he talks about um, how they just crumble in the pool when they put Mm -hmm. them in there with weights and all sorts of other things. So I bet that would be uh, of interest to you. It's XPT life, yeah.
1: Okay, thank you, I'll look at that.
0: Yeah, and you know, it makes me think too, and I'm curious to hear you say, especially when you shared that personal story about how your imaging was saying one thing, but your functional movements were saying something different in your own life and your physicians, it sounded like we're kind of looking at the images and saying, wow, it's amazing how functional you are in your movement, considering the degenerative changes in the joints. You know, we know obviously when people age, we all have degenerative changes. Um, And I, I have read some, some science that implies that sometimes diagnostic imaging done after people pass away can indicate that they lived with things like a slip disc or a herniated disc, but yet really did not show any major functional impairment. And so, all of that to me speaks to the importance of doing things that increase our joint mobility, which, of course, is more important or it's still important to everybody. Um, Although when I think about someone with arthritis, I think joint mobility and doing things for that is super important. So is that one of the things that is part of the benefit of being in the water that people are getting support for moving their limbs, moving joints through full range of motion? Are there people that come to your classes that have arthritis or other conditions where it's difficult on land for them to move. Let's say their shoulders through full range of motion, but then they get in the pool and they're able to access other range of motion that then maybe carries over on land.
1: Yeah. Okay. So that is there's some really great questions in there, and and yes, let's un- unpack those and some really important words in terms about like mobility and range of motion and and arthritis and what that means. So. We all have a greater range of motion in the water because the water, since it's offloading that weight, it's going to put a little bit more space between our joints, right? Mm -hmm. If we live with a chronic pain condition like osteoarthritis, where you, you hear the worst thing, that's that bone on bone. So you have lost all your connected tissue between your joints. Having that range of increased range of motion that the water gives you is going to be very pain relieving and allow you to restore some range of motion and mobility in that joint, which we want and we feels good and is really good for people. Then we talk about somebody like myself who has the autoimmune forms of arthritis, which is functions on a different capacity in terms of I have all this chronic inflammation going on. And so when I talk about range of motion in my joints, because I have connective tissue disease and my disease has destroyed some of my connective tissue, for me, an increased range of motion is kind of dangerous and I get in the water as a person who does yoga and has some degree of flexibility, I'm not the most flexible yogi out there for sure, I have to be careful because I can take myself to a point of injury. So anyone with arthritis, we're always emphasizing stability because basically is when you've got arthritis, you've got something going on with your bones and all you've got left is strong muscles. So it doesn't matter what kind of arthritis you have, strong muscles support weak joints right? So we all want strong muscles surrounding the joint that is impacted. Um, Much easier to think about if it's osteoarthritis and you only have one or two joints, you know, compared to systemic if it's everywhere. So uh, joint stability is always important. The same as when we think about people who live with arthritis doing yoga on land. You know, we want them to go through their healthy, pain-free range of motion. Mm. And then I'm I know you've had guests who've on to talk about pain. Well, what is pain and our experience of pain? And that kind of leads us into a whole nother, what do we do about pain and how do we perceive it in the water? So your water, the water, because of that hydrostatic pressure, we were talking about tends to dampen your pain response. Mm. So it's, that's why like you get in the bathtub and you're just, everybody's just like, oh, oh, right? Like who doesn't do that? Right. Everybody's just like, Oh, it feels so good. Right. Which is awesome. And it's great that that pain response damages, but again, if we're getting into that slight danger zone, we're not going to feel it. So we have to be careful and respectful of that, as well as then we can use that to talk about if you live with a chronic pain condition and your nervous system is getting a little too hardwired to those pain responses, you can use it to kind of back off and be able to say, well, wow, okay, you're not in pain here for a second, What does that feel like? And get a little bit of curiosity and use some of the yoga philosophy tools. And from some of the other coaches, we've talked mainly about, you know, the physical practice, use some of those other energetic tools to engage your body's responses and perceptions about pain and -hmm. how can we use those effectively, including in our asana practice, but in our general disease management and, and working with our joints in a healthy way.
0: Yeah. It's really interesting when you talk about it from the perspective of the nervous system and, you know, we've kind of got that baked in function of the nervous system to protect us. But then when you live with an autoimmune disease or you've had joint mobility issues, maybe from arthritis, you might be on high alert a lot. And so your nervous system is kind of on overdrive. And some of that is, more protection is being provided and that's a good thing although some of it might be the the fear-based response by the person and so it must be interesting similar to what you describe about the bathtub response that we all can relate to to take someone who has sort of a a long-standing fear around movement and put them in an environment where their nervous system can experience not no fear but oh my gosh, maybe I don't have to be so worried about moving. And that must be so, such a relief on, on some level.
1: Oh yeah. And it's very empowering because you, so you <laughs> look at people's self-efficacy skills when they have chronic diseases and overall the people with the best self-efficacy skills, that ability to kind of manage their lives, do the best. Mm-hmm. And and that, on, for me to say that, it's like, well, of course that makes sense, but how do you get there, right? Mm. That's the problem is you, what were your self-efficacy skills before you got this diagnosis? If you were already struggling with some aspects of movement or your health before you got this diagnosis, it's not like getting this diagnosis makes you any better at anything, right? Now you just got this on top of everything else, right? Mm-hmm. So, so one of the things when you think about, well, what would be you know, yoga, working with somebody, because it's not just about arthritis, but yoga for anybody who's living with more of a chronic health condition, that's one of those things they're going to emphasize is we want to make our students better stewards of themselves, right? Mm. It's just not just that get better at the asana, it's that difference of, okay, if I move my joint in one way, does it hurt? Or does it really hurt? Cause if you live with pain, it's like, no, it all hurts, but there's bad pain. And then there's just the, yeah, that's the Monday pain. That's a, that's a day ending and why pain. Right. And so you have to build your self-efficacy to be able to tell the difference and nobody else can do that for you. You have to experience it in your own body and figure it out. And so as teachers, if we're working with these kinds of people, we need to help them develop those skills for themselves and, and the water is just a different medium to do it in because it gives us some, some different tools.
0: Yeah. Yeah. As you're talking, it kind of reminds me of restorative yoga, except in water. You know, that there's this aspect of self-care and self-knowledge that equals better ability to decrease the release of stress hormones, decreased nervous system, heightened response, decreased mm-hmm. like amygdala firing, like all of these Absolutely. things inside yeah. of the nervous system. And that to me is like, I don't teach restorative yoga primarily. Um, but I, I just, that just, the whole vibe of it just sounds, just sounds similar to that, that it kind of touches upon it, except you're, you now have the medium of being in the pool.
1: Right. And then, and then there's the, uh, there's the element of okay we don't necessarily want it to always be think of it as like that restorative i know in yoga we kind of tend to take it to that place but remember in real life the groceries are falling out of the car now they're not falling out of the car in slow motion and so your ability to speed up your reaction times and these kinds of things in a healthy way is something we can really you know work with because again I love yoga. I'm all about the yoga. I've been doing it 30 years, but it's really when that rubber hits the road is can you use it in your real life when it's really impacting people? Yeah. So tell me
0: um, a little bit about the training programs that you have for teachers.
1: Um, As I spoke to a little bit before is I like to work with other professionals. So I I didn't you know, share this before. So after I was a farrier, I actually went to England and have a master's of education in museum, of educa- in museum education. So I have a master's in training people how to teach. And so I used to work in museums and train docents how to work with the public. And that really informs how I am as a teacher's teacher because basically is I would really hope that everybody who comes through a training with me feels more comfortable working with the public in all aspects of their teaching, right? So that since I'm working with other professionals that either come from a yoga environment or come from an aquatics environment, those are very different environments. They bring really different skill sets, and I'm all trying to get them on the same path. So it's this idea of really, okay, what build on the strengths that you have and that you're already bringing and how can we fill in the the knowledge gaps to to move you forward so that you can be successful in in teaching aqua yoga, because it is very much a blended discipline. As you're hearing me talk, it's like, whoa, this is yoga. Yeah, it's clearly, clearly yoga, but there's a lot of water in there.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. for sure, for sure.
1: So I was, when I was
0: looking on your Instagram today, I noticed that you were doing this like running theme around the yamas and niyamas, which I thought was really cool. Um, And so I'm curious, especially because you're talking as well about being in the pool and the distractions that are kind of part and parcel of teaching yoga in a pool where other people are around and where it's outside. I mean, I know a lot of people listening have been teaching a lot of outdoor yoga because of COVID. Mm -hmm. And so they've now realized if they hadn't before, it's, a whole different ball of wax when you're outside and there's bugs and there's sun and their eyes and they can't hear you and you didn't wear that <laughs> mic and the ground is uneven and all those things that all of a sudden the idea of being outside isn't very fun anymore <laughs> you know it's like i have all these other things to take control of um, but in terms of the yamas and the niyamas and bringing in things that are important to you to share themes of yoga, um, focuses that have to do with the spiritual or anything that speaks to your authentic way. How do you do that, given that you are kind of leading them through something where you need to be projecting, where you might not really be able to have them hear you clearly? Is there something outside the pool that wraps it up or how does that work?
1: Yeah, that is an excellent question. I think that the movement for all of us as yoga professionals to be more outside is a, is a great practice for all of us in our personal aparagraha, right? We have to get a little less uptight about everything. Just let yeah. it go, just let it yeah. go. Right. So um, that, that is an excellent question because being able to effectively convey all this information about yoga in a challenging environment is tough. We're all faced with this. The other thing we haven't talked about is aquatic classes are shorter than land classes. I only have people for 45 minutes. And that is because that hydrostatic pressure makes your kidneys cycle your fluids faster. So you know that I get in the pool that I always have to go to the bathroom. It's not just you, it's everyone. (laughs) So that's why aquatics classes are 45 minutes. So I have a challenging teaching environment and I don't have you for very long. So what can I give you in that? So I really operate on the, you know, the, the KISS principle, keep it simple, stupid, is I hope to convey one thing to you. So if I can leave you with one thing of the day, I feel like I have done my job as a teacher. And so I will rotate through the yamas and niyamas. Like you said, it'll be okay. Well, we'll have one for the day. So I think ahimsa, uh, non-harming, and I like to, I have kids, I said, I'm a parent. I like to turn the yamas and niyamas around to be positive. You know, I have two boys. If I tell one boy, don't hit your brother, well, what happens? He just reaches out and smacks him, right? Now, that's that basic parenting. And it's like, say what you want, not what you don't want. So I don't even explain it as non-harming. I, mean, I explain it as being kind. Okay, so how can you be kind to yourself today? So that becomes something that's like, oh right, I can I can see that right. That's going to be well maybe I only raise my arm on one side because you asked about shoulder mobility earlier. If I've got a more frozen shoulder, I got some arthritis going on. Maybe raising my arm on one side is great and on the other side not not so good. And if I really am now granted the freedom to examine that and make good choices for myself, I'm only going to raise my arm on one side. Mm -hmm. Right. So that if if I you know reinforce those kinds of aspects throughout the whole class, that's a real easy one, you know, for people to engage with. And and again, we can do that with any of the yamas and yamas. I love to work ahimsa and tapas, which is uh, on land, it's sometimes Conveyed as heat in the water. I don't think heat is quite. So I, you know, kind of convey it as right effort because they're very much a balance, right? If if you, I would say a lot of land yoga teachers work with a lot of type A people, right? They're showing up and they're doing their flows and they're doing their sun salutations and and we're recording this in December. I don't know if it's going to drop around New Year's Day or yeah. not. You're going to get no, out there the and go
0: live tonight or tomorrow morning. It's- okay.
1: So for everybody who's got their 108 sun salutations on New Year's Day already scheduled, you got your tap is going, people. So, and I work with those kind of people too, people, excuse me. So, so it's helping them to learn that you can have your discipline and still be kind to yourself. They're not mutually exclusive, right? So I I hope that in my classes to convey that to people, but I really do dial it back in terms of, okay, if I can just leave a person with one, one mm-hmm. thing, then I mm-hmm. feel like I've done my due diligence. So yeah. it, it often, I feel like some people might say, oh, well, it's kind of yoga light, but it's like, well, look at the environment that it's happening in. And then the other thing I, th- I think it's important to convey is, well, who comes to my classes? I work with people who would never in a million years set foot in a yoga studio. And if I've been able to reach them with only even one aspect of yoga, that's improving their lives and bringing yoga to more people in the world. And I'm okay with the fact that maybe I didn't hit them with all 10 of the yamas and the yamas and didn't have them for an hour and a half. And in this, you know, mystical, beautiful, quiet experience of the yoga studio, but that's okay. Cause they were never going to get there. Right, so, right. So I'm okay with that, and I still feel like it's you know honoring the traditions of yoga and and the beautiful tradition that was created. Oh yeah, I mean
0: I applaud what you're doing, and I love that keep it simple. And you know I think our our attachment to rigidity around how yoga needs to be presented, or our thought about it should be presented a certain way. You know, a couple of weeks ago I started offering. 30 minute free virtual classes. And I did it in part because I wanted it to have a very low barrier to entry. So I made it free and I made them 30 minutes. And um, many of the people that come, they go, I can't believe after just 30 minutes that I can really shift my way of being both physically and mentally. Mm -hmm. And um, that's a testament, not to me, to yoga as a practice. And um, so, yeah, I love that you know, not only the simplicity, but the high degree of accessibility. Um, I think is is you know we need more of that because I think that what you're referring to, that esoteric nature of yoga, um, is what blocks people from going.
1: Some people definitely, yeah,
0: yeah. Now I have. It's funny when you were saying in in your conversation about. Land yoga teachers, like I've never heard that term. I just oh. it's so cool. It's like, land- <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sorry, my, no? uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I like to say, aqua yoga teachers, were, we're like the rainbow unicorns of the yoga world. There's so few of us, and you gotta like have your special binoculars to see, you know, where yeah. oh, I, lo- I love that. I've never thought of myself as a land yoga teacher, but I guess yeah. that's what I am. It's all a matter of perspective,
0: right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and thank thank you for for kind of so mixed- got me out on that. Yeah, it kind of makes me wonder, you know, do you ever teach land yoga or have any interest in doing that as well? Or is that like you're, you're done? Right. Yeah,
1: pre-COVID, I did actually teach land yoga. So I, I have taught the full spectrum, so to speak. So pre-COVID, um, I would say, well, I'm, I'm an accessible yoga teacher and I work with people on both ends of the age spectrum because I worked in libraries and I did kids yoga And yoga for teens and then yoga for seniors so I did chair yoga, gentle mat yoga all at the libraries again that were you know free classes open to the public and then I worked in the pools so so that's who I have professionally worked with is kids and seniors and now since COVID I have not taught any land yoga in years (laughs) except in private for private clients And I actually, you know, resigned from my kid's yoga position because we're still not in the position of scheduling those again, which means it's been now two years since I have offered it. And I feel that the kids would really be better served by somebody who has, you know, better skills on it than I do. So I have kind of let that go. Um, If I were in the position to offer chair yoga again, I would feel comfortable doing that because I've done that for a long time and really enjoy chair yoga. And I think chair yoga similar to aqua yoga is people have a lot of perceptions about it that aren't necessarily true so i really enjoy breaking down those barriers and making a, a chair yoga practices as, both as accessible and and fun and challenging yet yet uh doable as as mat yoga is for young and fit people
0: yeah and i mean everything that you just described in terms of the areas where you have experience each one is a niche on its own. I mean, children oh, yeah. yoga, chair yoga, yoga in the pool. And I just love that because I think for people listening, it gives them um, inspiration, I think, to kind of don't be afraid to claim your niche and don't be afraid to connect to what you love doing. Can you share, you know, as we kind of wrap up here, share a little bit about Is there a common thread for you when you, I mean, I think the kids, I've taught kids for years as well, and also lament that for the past two years since March of 2020, that went away and the preschools are not ready to let me back in yet. Um, Having said that, is there some kind of common theme that speaks to you on the level of like who you are that informed you selecting these niches. I mean, you talked a little bit about how water is kind of a big theme in your life because you lived in Cali and all of that. Right. There's something else about these things that speak to you that you can like define in terms of like your personal
1: brand. Right. So that's a that's a good question, and I'm gonna kind of zoom it back a little bit because my quote personal brand is these days it's just all about the aqua yoga, right? That's that's like what I'm known for. I have a book coming out this summer, published by Singing Dragon. It's coming out next summer. It's you know water yoga is my thing, but in terms of what inspires that thing and that thread between the chair yoga and the kids yoga and everything is, for me it really goes back to when I was showing horses. So. I would, you know, you'd shoot horses and some horse, poor horse would come up and it'd be, you know, limping and so uncomfortable. And it's just like, okay, I gotcha. So you work your hour, you work your magic and the horse walks off and you can hear it in that first step. Cause you say you're a horse person, you know how, when they walk down the barn, happy horses, clip, clap, clip, clap. It has a really consistent sound and they expect that first step to hurt. So then they hit and they're like, and you can just hear them walk off. You know, the sound just changes. And, and I loved that about that job. You know, it was like, I am, I am keeping these horses healthy and happy and moving forward in their lives. Right. And so that's really what I see is the yoga I offer and the thread between say, well, what would it be for kids? Cause I did a lot of kids camp with boys. <laughs> I've had 40 boys in yoga kids camp. Not many mm-hmm. yoga teachers will take on 40 boys from, you know, Um, (laughs) and so, but that idea of, well, what, what are these kids going to need in their lives moving forward? You know, they're, they're, they were there on scholarship. Most of them, they're they're free because they come from challenging environments. It's like, well, what a gift that I can give them that they can maybe get something out of it that will impact their lives moving forward. And so to me, that's really what it's about is it's not entirely about, you know, the movement and and my ego of being in this beautiful place and and getting to look cute in the front of the room is I want you to leave with something that is going to improve your life in your life, whatever that is for you. I
0: love that. And I will tell you, I'm like tearing up, hearing about the horses because I think that whole aspect of they can't communicate when they're in pain and that you are like helping them improve their mobility, improve their quality of life. And you know similar to the nervous system conversation we have they had this have this maybe tentative nature and then you finish working with them and they're like oh my god i'm walking this is so great yeah. i don't have i mean that to me is just oh god i just um i just find that to be so beautiful and the way you threaded it into your work with humans i mean it's just a testament to we're all sentient be- sentient beings and just the connection yeah. between animals and humans and all of that so i love that it's obvious that It's very embedded in who you are. I mean, the freedom with which you speak about this and and how the thoughts I can just see are just coming quickly to you because it's so it's not even a matter of pace. It's just a matter of, you know, when you talk to someone who's really authentically sharing who they are, that's the way it goes. Right. Because it's really who they are. It's not that they're putting on airs. It's not that they're trying to say the right thing or not say the wrong thing. It's just who they are. And that to me is one of the reasons I love doing this podcast. Cause I get to just ask people like, tell me who you are. And it's just so cool to see. And it's super inspiring. I can see you. They won't be able to see you. They'll hear you. Um, although I do think in your voice, the enthusiasm is obvious and um, the authenticity is obvious. And I, I really hope as people are listening, it inspires them to find the thing that they can speak of, like you speak of what you do.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Do, do what lights you up. So I, um, I have it, I have it on my tattoo. (laughs) It's, you you know, basically is we, this is no, there is no dress rehearsal on life, right? We only get to do this once and, and you only get today once there is no do-over. So even if it's not yoga, you know, if you've reached that point in your yoga life and because of COVID, you're like, I'm over this. I don't want to do yoga. I want to, that, you know, honor that. And absolutely with what you're speaking to, you really need to do what lights you up in life.
0: Right. Or maybe it's a matter of kind of reshaping your presentation of yoga. And you certainly have given us like a ton of ideas for how you can do that for listeners listening that live in a warm climate. I mean, oh my God, now maybe their uh ears are open to oh wow, this might be something I might like to do. You Absolutely. Know, that, yeah. That,
1: Everybody and for those in a cold climate, next time you go on a cruise or go to the indoor pool with your kids or anything, just get in the pool and try, you know, just for fun. It's no yeah. harm, no foul. Just if it never even occurred to you before, just have a good time trying.
0: Yeah. You know, it's interesting when we go um my boyfriend's family has a house in St. Martin. And for the years that I've gone there, his father, who has double knee replacements and definitely needs shoulder replacements, but he's never going to do it. The one thing he would do every day for exercise is get on the noodle and walk around the pool. And we always kind of chuckled. But now, after this conversation with you, I'm really seeing that in a whole different light.
1: Right. You should do it with him next time so he can chuckle at you. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, <laughs> but now that you mentioned it, he
0: was pretty darn good in terms of walking and not tipping, uh-huh. even in the areas of the pool that were deeper water where he uh-huh. continued to go around. Uh-huh you know, he had his little hat on and he would put the newspaper on the thing. And that was his daily. Uh, so yeah, I have definitely a new um, appreciation and respect for, for that kind of thing. So awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, let's do this. Um, tell us how people can find you on Instagram and how teachers who are interested can find out about your upcoming book and your trainings.
1: Thank you. So my Instagram feed, it's aqua content yogi. I personally, Santosha is my hardest yama and niyama. So that word is in there to help me re- uh, remind myself, right? It's aqua content. That's what I share. Yogi with an I. And then my website is my name, KristaFairbrother.com. And it's the German C H R I S T A, Fairbrothers, just like it sounds, F.S. and Frank, A I R Brother.com. And there, that my website is basically sorted into two big buckets. So if you happen to have stumbled upon this yoga podcast as just a person who practices yoga, I've got stuff for you there. And if you're a teacher who wants teaching materials or information about my upcoming trainings, that'll help sort it out. And the information about my book is coming up. I don't have a hard copy yet because it's still at the editors, but that will be out in July of 2022 and it's being released from singing dragon and so it'll be available all around the world if there's you get any aussies listening and they're chomping at the bit you will get it same day we do in the states (laughs) and what's the book going to be about it's water yoga it's called water yoga a teacher's guide and it is it is all about how how to do what i do if you're a yoga teacher or an aquatics professional and you're like wow i really want to integrate some yoga into my aquatics work that i already do or i'm a yoga teacher and i want to make that leap and get in the pool it's uh how do you do that and maybe you don't have access to you know a training or you would like to learn a little more about it before you invest in a training because yoga trainings are expensive and i can absolutely understand if you're like i just want to buy the book and make sure this is right for me absolutely that's what it's for awesome Awesome. Well, as I said earlier, we're
0: recording this on December 20th, 2021, and this will go live, if not tonight, tomorrow morning, because we kind of turn things around quickly over here. So um, I'm super excited to share this with people, especially before the beginning of the year, where maybe they're going to travel someplace where there's warm weather, um, and maybe they have some new goals that they're going to want to set for themselves. And all of what you've talked about, I'm sure will stoke a lot of interest in terms of like something that might be possible in the new year for, for teachers listening. So I want to thank you so, so much. I'll include all those links that you gave to your Instagram and to your website in the show notes. So people listening, if you um, just go to my website and this podcast episode, you'll see those links that she, she referred to earlier. So thank you so, so much. It was great to meet you. I'm so glad we're connected now. I'm a big fan on your Instagram there and I will keep keep up with all that what's happening. And you've certainly given me a lot to think about. So I'm really, really appreciative for, for all the inspiration.
1: Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And happy holidays, everybody. Yes, same to you. Okay, talk soon. Hi, everybody.
0: Thank you so much for listening to that episode. Before you go, I want to let you know about a new mini course I just created as of October 2021. It's called the Yoga Anatomy Blueprint Learning Program mini course. It's essentially an introductory version to my signature program that teaches you anatomy so that you grow your confidence in sharing cues and sequences and in all those conversations you have with your students. If you're like some of the yoga teachers I speak to, you might feel as if you don't have the time to do my full program. That's one of the main reasons I created this mini course, which will give you all the same steps in my signature blueprint approach to teaching you anatomy and will allow you to complete it in much less time. There are 10 modules each of about 10 minutes each, and the entire program walks you through mini lessons from the larger program. You'll leave with specific new skills that you can start to use right away. You may also leave with a keen interest in enrolling in the larger program because your curiosity and confidence have been stoked. For you, the podcast listener, I'm offering $5 off the purchase price of the mini program, which is just priced at $27, so the cost will go down to $22 for you. Once you complete the mini course, you'll see in the next step section how to get a $50 credit to put towards the larger program should you decide to invest in that in the future. To purchase the mini program, visit my website at barebonesyoga.com, click the link for online courses and select the mini course link. When you check out before you enter your credit card, enter the code podcast and you will receive the $5 off. I hope you enjoy the program. I hope it stokes your curiosity and builds your confidence. Namaste.